Art Dam. You're listening to Frolicking Chronicles, a Frolic Inc. broadcast. Filthy dirty. <laughs> Cheers, Filthy sis. Dirty. Look at you. Cheers. We are starting early this evening, actually, because it is after eight o'clock, but actually, because we have our chilled martini glasses and a nice chilled gin, dirty martini, we don't want it to get warm. We don't want it to get warm. I have the filthy dirty martini happening tonight, which means I basically muddled my olives to be at the base of my brine i am doing a gin martini which is my favorite and instead of shaken i have since learned that stirred is actually the proper way to make a martini because when you're shaking the ice it starts to dilute your gin or your vodka, whichever one you prefer. So stirring is the best way to make the drink. Except that I'm a 007 Bond fan. Right. And I love shaking, not stirred, because I love the chips of ice. So mine is shaken. And I basically did a dirty martini, basic one and a half ounce of gin. I did use my uh, Surf City gin from Huntington Beach tonight. And uh, half ounce, I actually did dry vermouth, which I'm really loving. Me too. A half half ounce of the olive brine, which was just the olive juice, which was just the olive juice from the um, jar of olives. And then as Ronnie noticed earlier, I have like, you know, six or seven olives on my skewer because as the juice went down, you know, I felt like those little olives were not going to do too well without their juice. So I'm getting a little Lizzo on that, I guess. <laughs> getting those olives on here. <laughs> I'm actually really excited that you were down with doing a martini tonight because typically you don't order them. I don't. You want to remember that you remember the last time I had a, a dirty martini was with you when we went to the um, equality dinner, right? With as guest of the veterans table and uh, Michelle Haunch, was it? Oh, was that, it that was amazing. That we went to that? Which actually was in Hollywood. That's right. So perfect. Well, we will definitely link our martini recipe in our description. And hopefully sooner than later, we can actually do a little reel. Because I would love to show you guys how I add the vermouth into my drink. Instead of pouring the ounce of vermouth with your two ounces of gin, you actually chill the martini glass with ice, dump out the ice, put your ounce of vermouth in, and you swirl it around and it actually sticks to the coldness of the glass and you dump out that extra liquor, which seems kind of wasteful, but I'm really digging how these guys that are part of 
the steampunk saloon in Austin, Texas showed how to make their martini. Now they just made a martini. I made the dirty, actually filthy dirty martini, but I love their technique. So I would love to share that with our followers uh, at some point. You need to do the real. And right now we're still podcasting by Zoom and uh, we miss doing our reels because we haven't saw, we haven't seen each other in person, you know, very much at all because we're still doing the social distance thing. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm say, getting more and I'm more. Johnson, Johnson has their uh, vaccine in the forefront on the fast track. <laughs> I did see that. I, I am. I'm ready to be in person, though. This is. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know how people have Skype I relationships. I, I'm just I need like the touchy feely stuff. <laughs> I need touchy feely. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, so, let's get okay, into so it. Cheers, cheers to you, sis. Cheers to Hollywood, my old stomping ground, and my cheers old to Hollywood. I don't know that again. I'm a little short on the glass. Why didn't I just grab an extra martini glass? I don't know. I only have a dozen. Actually, I have a dozen of them. <laughs> and I am using my London Dry Gin that we featured in the podcast earlier and in earlier episodes we are going to be talking about the roosevelt hotel hello to Mantha, yes, we do a our bomb bachelorette party the roosevelt hotel we have so many fond memories even of just going to the bar scooping in poolside because it's all been remodeled we also had stayed the night there. Uh, we booked a nice, beautiful suite for our little sister Lizzie's bachelorette party because she would always go down the street to the Clockwork Orange Club. I think. I, I think it's what you mean every night. Let us know. But here's some background on the Roosevelt Hotel. Now, we're going to talk about the Oscars in a little bit, but I do want to say that this Hollywood then and now coffee book by Rosemary Lord, I believe. I want to say mom may have given it to me as a hostess gift or I won it in the big finale, you know, best picture prize. I don't remember, but I've had it since my days on Stephanie Lane. Okay. Roosevelt Hotel. The lavish 12-story Spanish colonial hotel was built in 1926. Now, on line, it says 1927. So, but in this book, it does say 1926 by Mr. Hollywood, the developer C.E. Toberman. It was financed by prominent Hollywood figures such as Mary Pickford, Louis B. Mayer, and Douglas Fairbanks, among others, to house visiting East Coast movie makers. In his early days, a young David Niven lived in the servant quarters. Mary Martin sang at the hotel's nightclub, Singrill, and Errol Flynn made hooch in the barbershop during Prohibition. For $5 a night, Clark Gable and Carol Lombard occupied the penthouse. Shirley Temple and Bill Bojangles Robinson practiced tap dancing on the ornately tiled lobby stairs. How cool would that have been to see? Marilyn Monroe did her first modeling job by the pool, and Montgomery Clift lived in room 928, which we'll talk about a little later, while making From Here to Eternity. The first Academy Awards banquet was held in the Blossom Room on May 16, 1929, which that was a fact you and I both just kind of heard about, right? The Roosevelt, the oldest continuously operating hotel in Hollywood, has been featured in many films and is undergoing a multi-million dollar renovation. 
Okay, since I've had this book, that's yeah, I was gonna say we we have since visited it since it had yeah. this multi million dollar. It's kind of a love hate thing for me. I don't know. I, I miss the old one for sure. I agree. The exquisite Spanish tile and ornate ceilings, columns, and balconies in the main lobby are a feast for the eyes. In the heart of bustling Hollywood, the Roosevelt is a tranquil Mediterranean oasis. Today, the spirits of both Marilyn Monroe and Montgomery Clift are said to still haunt the hotel. That's on page 88. And yeah. Beautiful pictures in this book, both the black and white, and a uh, beautiful, because come on, who's not tempted to take a picture of that neon sign at night? You have to. You have to get it on You have to. Eyeball. And some of our best images that we've done throughout the years have been outside on Hollywood Boulevard uh, taking a picture of the Roosevelt. Now, two prominent ghosts are known to haunt the Roosevelt. One being Marilyn Monroe, and she intrigues me the most because she kind of gets around town. She's known to haunt, like, a few different locations. Right. But it's it, really like her, her house, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it is said that she modeled uh, by the pool. She actually was on the diving board at the Roosevelt Pool uh, doing, I believe, a sunscreen uh, commercial or some type of advertisement. And she had such a wonderful experience there. She actually would stay in room 246. There was a mirror that used to be in that room that they had since moved out of the room into either another room or a hallway or something like this. And a maid was cleaning and saw a woman in the mirror, a blonde woman, and turned behind her to say hello, and the woman wasn't there. When she looked back at the mirror, the woman was still in the mirror. And they say that it was Marilyn Monroe. Wow. The other actor that you're talking about could be... I'm trying to think. There was a gentleman... When I was on YouTube, 928 was the biggest... Um, you know, like, room that people try to stay in, I guess. I will say that in the ballroom on this YouTuber's My Haunted Diary, part one of his Roosevelt Hotel abandoned and his paranormal investigation at the point of 46.04, 46 minutes. If you want to fast forward, 46 minutes and four seconds, he has documented an image of a ghost coming like appearing and disappearing oh i want to check that out so the information that i have i'm just going to read this quick little bit many see marilyn in the mirror they also see a little girl in a blue dress a maintenance worker to the hollywood reporter had said the apparition of silver screen babe montgomery cliff has been blamed for patting guests' shoulders and watching the maid in room 928. So I think that's where you're talking about. He stayed there for three months while he was filming a movie called From Here to Eternity. Uh-huh. Uh, also, the ghost of Carol Lombard has been um, seen there. So if you can imagine this era of the 1920s, late 1920s, early 30s, you can imagine how those gents would kind of pat your shoulder to, like, greet you, say hello, or give you some form of validation in a conversation. Eric, Eric's a shoulder patter. Oh, he probably is. Yeah. He doesn't pat my shoulders very much. <laughs> very endearingly because we did spend quite 
a good amount of time in our early 20s hanging out on Hollywood Boulevard. And then when Lizzie started to go to, our little sister Lizzie uh, attended Loyola Marymount University, that's where she always went to uh, for her club nights, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday yes. night, whatever, all her, her, her gal pals, flatmates. And then we were blessed enough. It's just yep. so crazy how the universe works. So our best friend, Christina Holiday, her uncle, our beloved Pappy, he lived in the apartments behind the Man's Chinese Theater. I actually still to this day have the door knocker from one of the doors when he moved out. So it was the infamous LA rent control, you know, situation. So I have vivid memories of when the Kodak Theater was being built uh, yeah, because he had to have an air purifier, and by that time, that wasn't in our 20s. We were already mamas, weren't we? I mean... Yeah, we, well, I had Jaden at 26, so still mid-20s. Yeah. But I, I'm saying before that, though, many years he lived in that apartment. So we would go to Pantages, go clubbing. Hollywood Boulevard. We would, yeah, I was walking in my sequins, short, spaghetti strap, you know, dress at gold sequins, the high heels, like platform heels. I mean, I remember one time I was walking past the line in a club. I don't know if we had VIP or something like this. And I heard, I heard some guy say like, Ooh, hoochie mama, whatever. And I was like, so not even phased. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if I weighed like a 120 pounds or something. I remember when we went for Lizzie's Bachelorette and there was a homeless person on the corner asking for money. And we were all buzzed walking back to the hotel, the Roosevelt. And um, you gave him some money. And then when we got back to the room, I don't know if we were trying to get food or what we were trying to do, but you said, what happened to my $20? That guy made. You might have given it. To the homeless like dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm but, pretty sure he made out good on me because I we, it was a great experience celebrating Lizzie, you know, and you know we didn't really we didn't get bachelorette parties, so it was kind of awesome to be able to do that for our little sister. Yeah, and it was cool because we had a mini party in the suite, and then we all went dancing at the club, and Poppy joined us because he lived across the street. I mean, it was a riot. Dawn was there from Hawaii, right? Yeah. Um, I forgot that Poppy met us there. Yay! Oh, that is so awesome. I think that was all the same night. That is awesome. It It probably was. I mean, he did, he, I mean, I can remember even having a late night, Eric and I, at Poppy's at that apartment, and we're walking out to our car, and I see this young woman walking, and I turn around and I'm like, Monica? Our cousin Monica was on the orange, you know, the street right there. And she's like, what are you doing here? I'm all, what are you doing here? Apparently she had been renting an apartment with actually a view of the Magic Castle. And uh, so, yeah, we have a lot of fond, fond memories. I mean, I'm not kidding when well, I say it was our old stomping grounds. And even when we had babies, uh, you know, we went to the Hollywood Christmas yes, Parade. Yes. And we were lucky because we would just sneak up to the apartment and warm up and, you know, watch it on TV a little bit and then go down to the parade. And yeah, it was It fun. was fantastic. And just watching the whole Kodak Theater, you know, kind of its progression from being built, you know, it's pretty incredible what they did. I mean, I do feel like so much of it has changed on that corner. Since It's a very, you know, obviously it's always been touristy, but, you know, Anytime anybody came from out of town, we'd always take them down to that area. In fact, our friends from Washington, their daughter, um, Chelsea, she came down and we went 
So Sophia and I took her to CPK there in that whole shopping center and the boulevard and Michael Jackson had just passed away. So seeing how the crowds were building around his star and I still feel a little magic anytime I walk across those stars. And I actually do have my own authentic Hollywood star that the chief warrant officers gave me. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was sweet. Uh-huh. That was yeah, sweet. that was cool. Well, what's cool is that we can actually say we stayed at the Roosevelt. But oftentimes when any of our friends come in town, like when Ian came in town, that's one of his best memories is us going and hanging out by the cabanas and the pool there at the Roosevelt Hotel. Because you don't have to be a guest to enjoy yeah. cocktails you in their lounge. Where you're going. You just need to know where you're going. And we've gone there even with Trent and the kids because we were looking for that uh-huh. secret tattoo shop that was there. Yeah. Uh, but the waitresses, the waiters, waitresses, hostess, they're all really cool. But you do need to look like you know where you're going. You know, I do yeah. miss the days of the black and white photo gallery that they used to have upstairs that was kind of free to the public. That I have not seen uh-huh. in many, many years because that was just kind of a cool ode to old I think Hollywood. They took it down. Yeah, I think they took it down. And then, um, yeah, so when you're venturing outside, you're looking across the street, you can't miss the Man's Chinese Theater, Grauman's uh, Chinese Theater, <laughs> built in that beautiful uh, oriental aesthetic that was very uh, popular and a sign of opulence um, that you had money, basically, back then. Right. It's so now... Yeah, so, so Roosevelt Hotel, if you guys are on Hollywood Boulevard... Make your way, go have a cocktail in the lobby, especially during summer. You want to make your way to the poolside. It's so gorgeous. And I mean, the pool, they I don't know that they've ever really renovated the pool outside of having, having maybe a mural painted at the bottom of uh-huh. it, I think. So you feel like you're in old Hollywood. You can imagine yourself wearing a 1940s uh, swimsuit and just immerse yourself into old Hollywood. I mean, the it's whole just amazing. era, yeah, and it's gorgeous. And of course, we've always been lucky to have good weather too. Okay, so now we're gonna go across the street to Grauman's Chinese Theater. Once developer C. E. Toberman had persuaded Sid Grauman and his father to relocate to Hollywood, they built some of Hollywood's most notable landmarks together. Grauman's Chinese Theater. The most famous and instantly recognizable opened on May 18th, 1927, with the premiere of Cecil B. DeMille's The King of Kings. It was said to be the grandest opening ever, with hundreds of fans clamoring for autographs from the bejeweled stars. Grauman and Toberman had produced the most exotic theater. The The Chinese front is 90 feet high, and the bronze roof is held aloft by two gigantic columns, between which is a carved stone dragon. Giant food dogs guard the entrance. On November 9, 2001, Grauman's Chinese Theater reopened after an extensive $2 million renovation and upgrade. Almost 80 years after it opened, it now has some of the most technologically advanced projection and sound equipment. The large, dramatic lobby boasts ornate Chinese murals and chandeliers. The projection booth was moved back upstairs to its original location after it was moved downstairs in 1958. It was renamed Man's Chinese after Ted Mann purchased it in 1973. That's how come we always call it that. But when the theater was acquired by a partnership of Warner Brothers and Paramount in 2000, they restored its original name. Grauman's Chinese Theater reopened with the premiere of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That's on page 108 of Hollywood Then and Now. Um, but as we were saying, uh, now, T- now it's called TCL. TCL. 
it's actually owned by a Chinese company, one of the companies that make, I mean, they're world renowned for their technological advancements in television making. Um, so hello, they are all about that IMAX theater. And the last time I was there to actually see a film was when my shipmate Henry Connors was in town with his daughter Tabitha and Logan, myself, Tabitha and Henry, I went and purchased his tickets and we watched that Jurassic World on IMAX. It was oh. epic. But I remember walking into the theater and thinking to myself, wow, there's a lot more chairs. Like I, I instantly did not remember the incline in the theater. Uh -huh. I mean, we saw the matrix there. I mean, Eric and I have seen different films throughout the years and we've had the VIP tours where it's the historical aspect of the theater. So when we went with Henry a couple years ago, a couple summers ago, I definitely was caught off guard because I wasn't connecting the dots about the renovation, this huge IMAX screen. And recently I watched that YouTube video and I'll make sure that I put it in our comments or on our uh, Facebook page. And it talks about how because of the historic uh, protections on the theater between it being a historic landmark. I mean, Cal the state of California has its marks on it. Um, other historic important, you know, organizations have their marks on it. So can you imagine you're supposed to upgrade this theater in with advanced technology, but you have all these historic uh, restrictions. So what they yeah. ended up doing is they actually, so they can't touch the ceiling, they can't touch the walls. I mean, how do you wrap your mind around that? This video was really amazing. The sound walls, I guess. Yeah, it was from the Discovery Channel. It has, uh, let's see, like some Chinese subtitles on it. Uh -huh. I didn't find it distracting at all. I thought it was great. But it shows you a time lapse of them actually tenting the inside of the theater, okay, so that when they're working... There's a tent above them and around them, which protect the ceilings, protects the walls, and they can work on the ground. They actually dug out the floor into the basement to create that, uh, what would you call, incline for stadium seating. Yes. It is a fascinating video on YouTube. So. Oh. I, Check it out. I only saw the YouTube that was AOL Entertainment inside the Chinese theater. I did watch yours, but I didn't. I, maybe I was distracted while I was watching it because I didn't catch all the stuff with the tent. So I'm definitely going to want to rewatch that. And then, um, well. So then I, you I, know I, about how many people, T, have actually had their hands and feet pressed into cement in front of that. Were you shocked by that number? Because I, I was. Don't, I don't think I know that number, but what I want to say is that it was by accident that they started doing that. Yes, it was by accident. There was an actress uh, that basically walked outside of the theater and accidentally stepped on a piece of the sidewalk she didn't realize was still wet. Grauman saw that and then he made it a thing. Now, if you had to guess how many actors, directors would you think have had that honorary moment of putting their hands in the cement. 67. I don't know. How many did you say? 67. 67. Okay, because you're making it a guessing game. Actually, I thought it was going to be in the high hundreds, early thousands. 300 people have only had the honor of putting their hands in Did they that switch cement. any of them out? 
I believe that they do. I think I did learn about that when we took the behind the scenes tour. I That was some years ago, though. I think that was in the early 2000s we took that tour, and they had mentioned that. They can pop them out and then kind of interchange them. But this is why you can go see it. Still to this day, Johnny Depp and Marilyn Monroe are the most popular handprints people seek out. Johnny Depp and Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. That's yes. awesome. I yes. think we saw, I think, did we see Twilight's there? Did they do? Oh, yeah. Their and they're cute on that yeah. little AOL video, too. Um, I, I just, I just love it. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Well, from what I've read, too, it's just, it's styled beyond, dis, uh, you know, disbelief of exoticism. Like, it's just so special and incredible. And when you enter the theater, you, I mean, just this, even with all the cement footprints and handprints and autographs, it's just fun, you know, to kind of have that with the huge, you know, motif. It's amazing. Now, I believe I've only seen one movie there. And lucky me, um, one of my friends does not like scary movies. And her little sister, who's also my friend, does like scary movies because Jessica's sister-in-law was in a scary movie called Annabelle. And so Stephanie Sigmund uh, from Norco, she was a James Bond girl, uh, inspector, I think, that in that one. Uh, she played the nun in Annabelle, and we got to go to the premiere. And so it so was so exciting. much fun to be across the behind the red ropes and have the special event tickets and sit in her section and then go to the after party. It was so Hollywood. It was so, you know. You fun. have some really and, great pictures from that night. Yes. And uh, I think it was, it felt like it was a summer night. So I was wearing a, a shorter dress. But um, yeah, it was such a good time. And I just, thank you, Stephanie. And Allie, she's my horror flick, you know, girl. We, we like to see them. Uh, and we would go to the movies, you know, around town here to go catch some flicks. But yeah, it was great. And that's the only time I ever saw a movie there. I've always wanted to, but I think the times never lined up with my schedule. But I do remember when Aquaman came out. And they oh, that was had, cool. Yeah. You were there together. Yes. I think they had the water flowing lights. On you felt like you were in the ocean. It was amazing. Yes. Yeah, they're very, very yes. clever. Uh, I love how they've taken the technology that I would be more accustomed to see on television when they show Singapore or Hong Kong um, or even, you know, in Tokyo. And here they brought it to Hollywood. Uh, so just to recap, I know that you read from the book, but I want to just read what I found, I believe, on their website. And it says, since 1927, the TCL Chinese Theater has been home to the most prominent red carpet movies, premieres, and special events. It's where Hollywood's biggest and brightest stars from past to present have been. These aspects make our cinema palace the most famous movie theater in the world. And I say that palace because actually there were 
a few palaces, Pantages being one of them. Uh, but Egyptian. yes, yes. So Hollywood was all I about saw that. At the Pantages, but Sophia, you guys went to Hollywood with Sophia and I. Sophia and I got to see the play. Yeah, Logan Steele's like, why didn't we that? just get tickets? I'm like, because you had to buy them in advance. We didn't go up to the window and buy the tickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still, he's still a little mad at me. So if we, when it comes back, we'll be sure to get tickets. But Eric I and I, I, I would love to go back to the Pantages to see it when it comes back. Eric and I have been to, I mean, I've been to the Pandages a few times. I saw Phantom of the Opera there way back in the Paul Contreras days. He treated us, um, which was very, very generous of him. Uh, embarrassing enough, I think Eric fell asleep. Okay, that was just not okay. <laughs> and, and then we went for one of our anniversaries to see Wicked when it was at the Pantages. Um, so yeah, what, what I found interesting too in watching the YouTube behind the scenes on when they're uh, talking about the technology specifically between IMAX and the LED is that I felt like it was those, you know, the toy that we used to have when we were little. Maybe we didn't have it, but a friend of ours had it. The little light bright, those light bright. Yes, the little Sophia balls. still has one. Oh my gosh. Like this screen is that on steroids. I mean, they just, uh -huh. the way that they make it the immersive experience. Oh my gosh, Samantha. Put your glass up into the screen again. We are both using our Princess House Martini glasses. Oh, yes. I just got them. Uh, we found them. I was so excited. Okay. I actually don't usually eat a lot of salt. So sometimes I even surprise myself how much I enjoy these dirty martinis. Um, they're really good to have, you know. Maybe it is because of salt. Because maybe. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. Okay, so. Hollywood is just such a cool, and, you know, we're only hitting the main little corner that we are very familiar with. Um, but something else happens this time of year, normally, and that's the Oscars. Yes. And which brings us to the Roosevelt, because the Roosevelt had hosted the very first one. Um, lots of movie premieres happen at the Brahmins Chinese Theater, TCO. And also uh, the Kodak Theater now is home to the Oscars. Um, we are known for our Oscar parties that we used to have. But um, yeah, kind of explain the, that just a, a little bit. When we say we used to host Oscar parties, we're not talking like you just come over in your pajamas and watch it. Even though I'm kind of tempted to do that at some point because yes. our, our old book club um, pal, Tracy, uh, she used to do that with her friend Laura, and they would just wear their pajamas and like make fun of everybody or whatever on the outfits. I guess well, <laughs> they had Wanda Lacombe, Wanda Lacombe, she started doing one where it was just they dressed up from the waist up, and that was kind of fun too, you know. And we didn't. Um, some years we got fancier than others, yes. but we always wore our costume jewelry. Yeah, we always we always wore our costume jewelry. There was a tiara, I believe. There was a crown yes. that kind of floated around for a while. Yes. Um, Which Darcy bought, and I have it in the bag. I and I think it was really clever, too, that we would make up. Um, and nowadays, you can find templates for them. I think they even offer them on, you know, the Oscars.com. Yeah, actually, when I open this book, I have, you can print the PDF of the different categories. There's a short list right now on the Oscars uh, website. And what we're talking and about is the short list, meaning... 
who are you guessing is going to win Best Director? Who are you going to guess that win Best Actress, Best Actor, uh, Best Motion Picture? Uh, all of those things. And what we would do is we would have prizes for these yes. things. We would choose, you know, 10 or more categor categories. And we would then, uh, you know, theme or get gifts. And over the years, as the party had grown to, you know, from five ladies to maybe 10 to 15 ladies, everybody um, would bring one of their favorite items to add to the grand prize, like the, I don't want to say the door prize, but whoever won the best picture. Mm -hmm. And it just to see our party evolve. So every category, if you won, you would get entered into a raffle mm -hmm. if there was more than one winner. And then... The winner was drawn and they would win the prize. And it was so fun. I mean, I missed that. The last couple times we had the party, um, you had a really great one at your house. Uh, Mom and I sometimes would kind of co converse and put up some, yeah, co-host some of the things. But it was just always fun to plan a menu of just appetizers and sweet treats. And, and I always have what became a bit of a challenge was because typically the Oscars are held on a Sunday night. And right. so when you have Tamantha, who now lives in Huntington Beach, and the majority of our family in California anyways, we live in the Inland Empire. When we had littles, you know, it would just make for a late night for us to have to get up early with the kids the next day. So it took some planning there. <laughs> As they got yeah, older, I think I it do, got a little easier. I do miss it so much. and uh, But yeah, when sometimes we're choosing pajamas and sleep rather mm -hmm. than being on the road, you know, at 10 at night. But the... 93rd Oscar ceremony is going to be held on Sunday, April 23rd. Wow, but way late, huh? I know, because February 22nd is our niece's uh, Scarlett's birthday, and she just happy belated birthday. And I remember that she was born the night that Hugh Jackman yes, hosted the Yes, and Oscar we missed the whole missed damn thing. His <laughs> opening, and I still should research. Hopefully somebody has it on YouTube. I don't know, because I heard he did just such a fabulous job of hosting that year. Same. And, um, you know, we love you, Scarlett, but we, we do regret this. <laughs> <laughs> like, How did and, he not uh, have it on in any of these hospital rooms? I don't know. And then... Um, Oh, and there's a museum coming, uh, opening September 30th of this year. You can go to the academymuseum.org, and it will be on 6067 Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. So it won't be, you know, near the Kodak Theater, but I can't wait, because if they're going to have the old, you know, Hollywood fashion, you know. Oh, I'm pictures, excited about that. Even in the. No, I can't wait. Even in the lobby of the uh, TCL, I'm still training my brain to say TCL Chinese right. Theater. They have uh, wardrobes from like Marilyn Monroe, um, the, the gold dress that she wore, Dorothy's outfit. So I really like that. I think it was one of the things why we really responded to places like uh, Planet Hollywood back in the day. Because they would have this oh, movie no. memorabilia. Nowadays, yes. I think one of the only Planet Hollywoods might be in Las Vegas. I think you're correct. And now that, I mean, that's where Stefani performed. You know, they have the whole, um, what do you call it there? Theater, you know, performance theater. So there's lots of shows. Um, but 
But yeah, I mean, Hollywood is it's such a gem for us because, you know, I'm only about 35 miles. But it'll take you two hours to get there during rush hour traffic. <laughs> oh, no. I, I think we're technically like 41 or 42 miles but we make no mistake of it. We got our fast track. We have, you know, the 210 freeway. We're usually going against traffic. I I got to the Magic Castle the last time we went in 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. That so, is good. That is really good. Yeah. yeah. I love me some Hollywood. Uh, Burbank's a close second. But Hollywood always has my heart because I spent so much time there clubbing, hanging out. Uh, you know, doing those things that you do when you, even though I was married, <laughs> we yeah. didn't have kids. And so we would, we would, we're up all hours. We would take one taxi. That was way before Uber. We would just get a taxi and go from one club to the next club. And then pre Kodak Theater, which now a lot of people would know as Hollywood and Highland. Yes. Hollywood and Highland. That's right. Oh my gosh. Hooray for Hollywood. Hooray for and, Hollywood. And I mean, old Hollywood, you know, what an era. Cheers to all the silver screen actresses and actors. Yes, they survived. Silver screen.